Coach Bartz, episode number 53 of the Path to Fall podcast. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to uh, talk to you. We've had some technical difficulties going on, but it's surprising that that's the first time that we've had anything like this happen all year. So Nice. Lucky number 53, I guess. Lucky yeah. 53. Yeah. Um, but we were no talking big. about before, before the computer stopped working a little bit, uh, this past basketball season and maybe how you have build a team culture around covid meaning you found ways to get the boys together outside of of basketball get them to get to know each other off the court and build some of those relationships um outside of the basketball arena yeah and i, I you know i guess i looked at this you know you just just we just came out of the assembly with rob kind of saying similar things of so much of this is kind of how you look at it, you know, and, and you could complain about every single part of this, or you could say, you know, what, what can we take here as positives? And, you know, I really just like tried to focus on that, like hardcore, um, as like a mantra, um, every workout, every, like, we're thankful for this, whatever it might be, you know, any minutes together, you know, of, of, because we just don't know, um, you know, one of our assistant coaches, um, his brother passed, um, from COVID like, um, early April of last year, you know, like right at the beginning, it was kind of one of the first deaths. Um, and it was, you know, when we left in March, it was like, I was kind of telling my classes like, all right, like maybe we'll be off for like a week or something. Like we just had no clue, you know, and, and his brother, you know, like, I just thought he's going to be okay. And like, it just, you know, as, as COVID did with so many people took a turn for the worse, like so quickly. And I think that was such a wake up call for all of us in the basketball program um, to watch him, you know, and, and sparing the details of, of just like how brutal it was to lose someone that, that not that it wasn't um, at any time of the pandemic, but that early and how, no one knew how to handle it. And, you know, just, um, that hit me hard. Um, um, I guess, and, and to remind the kids of like, it didn't matter if we, you know, everyone's, are you going to have a season? Are you going to like, to me, it was, who cares? Like, let's, let's go 24 hours at a time. Like Miss mm-hmm. Bristow, Mr. Wren, Mr. Hubeck, Mr. Smythe, everybody worked so hard to, like get us anything. So when we had those workouts start and I was like, man, this is Christmas. Like who cares if we end up playing games or like here we are together. And, you know, again, you could look at it like, honestly, it took hours to prepare like four guys per basket. Everyone had their own ball. You had to wash hands every 15 minutes. Every, like a coach could only be with four players for two weeks and then you could rotate. So I'm like, and, and meanwhile, you've got like, and and I love it. Like maybe a ninth grader who who's never played competitive basketball on the same day from four to five in the cohort with Chris Winborn, who's, you know, a high level division one player. And like, you're trying to, and again, you could look at that as a negative or like you could watch Chris take the time to, to speak to that player and, and help him or, you know, just that kind of, of stuff. So I, I really tried to, I guess, roll with that organic, um, like the opportunities that arose, like Matt Cooper, incredible leader, you know, um, just, just 
amazing kid, um, he was in a group with like a ton of young kids, which again, totally dumb luck because he was such an influential. And yes, you could look at it as like, oh, Matt's not with all the other varsity guys and we can't put our offense in and stuff like after a couple of weeks with my assistants, I'm like, listen, guys, we're not we're just not going to be able to, you know, I'm a, I'm a junkie. I research like crazy in the offseason. I study coaches, break film down offense. I write in books. I got all notes everywhere. And I, I like early on was like, this is this can't be used this year. Like we're going to we're going to pull our hair out if we're making this the focus of our workouts. Like let's let's look at this more macro and kind of how we can, you know, do some things that might be more helpful for us than just offense or defense. I think that's so important having some of the older talented guys work with some of the maybe J V or freshman sophomore players and just to be around those guys is such a culture shifter for any program. And you know, we were doing last year before COVID hit workouts in the gym at 630 in the morning. And, you know, maybe maybe the workouts weren't high grade workouts. We we're doing like burpees and sprints and that kind of thing. But the fact that everyone was together and the freshmen who were just coming to Gilman were in the same room as some of our senior leaders just rubs off so much. Yeah, I, I think it's just uh, um, to me, that's the most powerful part of coaching is um you know that like it it doesn't you know as coach german says in the book so much like yes athletics can be you know teach character and all that stuff but it's not automatic and i think that um you know greg popovich is known of the spurs to like he coaches his best players the hardest you know he'll call time out and scream at tim duncan on national television and like that's how he built the spurs culture and you know, to me, I take that approach from a like a character and leadership um, side with my best players, you know, of like, you know, with Christian or Jalen Rucker, um, you know, for like their whether they want it or not, um, like their response to others is so transformational within a team because they're high level guys they're division one players they play with all the the brand name aau teams and you know all that all that stuff um and their role at gilman is different because you know um it's just a different team aspect and you know if you watch this is probably the thing i'm most proud of christian about is if you watch him as a ninth grader on film and then you watch him last year um like his response to someone dropping a pass or just maybe a play that someone else would make on his team thrill team, you know, like he's, he's dapping people up. He's running over. I got you. You know, you watch the game, John Carroll, Matt Parker hits that corner three, Mm -hmm. the buzzer beater. Um, Matt Parker actually missed a shot the previous possession and Christian passed it to him. And one of my assistants was actually, you know, pulled me to the side and said, coach Christian's got to shoot that ball. And I said, I trust Christian to make the right play. You know, like let's, let's let him, you know, so we, we came down, we're down one. Um, we dropped the play and of course he, he gets double teamed as you know, is coming. Nope. He doesn't even think about forcing a shot, throws it right to Matt Parker, who, you know, God love him. He's, he's a football player first, but the watching Christian have that trust to, 
just know that that's the right play. It didn't matter who made the shot. And I, I actually just sent this to a college coach and was like, this is all you need to know about this kid right here is, mm -hmm. is watch this last minute, watch the teammate miss a shot and then watch him pass it to him again without even thinking. Um, and like, to me, you know, like when, when Matt Parker feels that, like I knew that shot was going in when the pass was on the way to him because Matt's like, that trust is there. You know, it's not a divide between like who's basketball first and all like that's what's so cool about this culture. And what we're trying to do is, you know, see guys that maybe just like we were talking about with the podcast, you know, like come together that or learn things that you never would have mm -hmm. previously. Like like Christian Wimborn and Jack Tortolani ended up being like incredible friends, you know, and, and inside jokes and like that never would have paired together if it wasn't for them both being willing to be vulnerable and like make a new relationship and be themselves with each other. Um, so is that, is that transformation that you're talking about from ninth grade to 10th grade year, is that a product of pointing things out to Christian that maybe he doesn't notice on film in his ninth grade year in terms of his body language and his trust of his other guys, or is that just a personal pro progression or how do younger players find similar characteristics that you're saying, you're saying that that's all you need to know as a college coach is that this player has the, I don't know what it's called, emotional development or uh, he's a team player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is that I, experience or is that coaching? Well, I mean, I'll say that, you know, I think to me, it goes even deeper than that. It goes to, to parents and family and household. And, you know, when you meet the Winborn family, um, you know, if you rewind all the way to freshman year. So Christian, um, you know, he basically wouldn't take no from from Gilman and you know, his parents were kind of like, listen, Chris, like literally every school in in this area wants you to come play for them. And like he was just kind of like, Matt, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to Gilman. And they were like, all right, well, we love you. We support you. And, you know, of course, everyone's in his ear of, you know, that was the year before, you know, um, things were, were down. You know, we were one in 15 in the conference when, when he was coming here and everyone's like, you know, dude, what are you doing? Like what what? this you know bad move and he didn't waver so like even then as an eighth grader with all this pressure and like d1 this and shoe circuits and you know he was it was his vision and he had the the, the courage to just tell people i'm going to do something different and you know his freshman year we were still kind of changing culture and going through some growing pains and um you know we lost some tough games and and um you know, in, in this culture, especially basketball, you know, there's, I think there's 1600 kids in the division one transfer portal right now in basketball. Um, you know, it's like a, if things aren't going perfectly my way, I'm going to look somewhere else. And, you know, God love Tavon Winborn, you know, he's my first text after almost every game, like whether we lost by 30 or by two or we win good job, coach kids are playing hard, man, you're doing the right things. You know, after the season ends and we're four and 14, look, Chris, like you should leave, man. Like, you know, there's other opportunities and they never even thought about it, you know? And again, like you, you just like, that's, that's really all I need to know, you know? And then you, we literally almost 
exactly flip the record the next year and we're 14 and five, um, you know, and, and watching like that didn't happen. And we were still picked to be last in the conference that year and everything. And, you know, like it doesn't just happen randomly, you know, like the, the trust of, you know, Danny Rosenfield is similar story at Spalding that, that, that year, um, Christian sophomore year, Christian made a cross court pass. Danny hit a three. Danny hadn't played a lot of varsity minutes at all. Um, we were actually down 15 in the fourth quarter. I'll never forget it. Um, nothing was going right. It was a rescheduled game the Tuesday before Thanksgiving on the road in Annapolis against a sleeping beast of a team that had young players, a new coach, completely unknown. Like it was like everything we would not want. Early conference game, couldn't make any shots. And it was like, you know, we had struggled the year before and we're building the culture and I'm working so hard and like trying to do things the right way. And you just, you, you get that feeling of like, this could really go bad quickly of, oh, it's the same feel, you know? And like, we come in, there's six and a half minutes left. I'll never forget it, down 15. And Matt Cooper goes, guys, like, this is what coach talks about. Like, this is the adversity like we have a chance to practice dealing with this right now. Like now is the time. And I just looked at my assistant coaches and the the group that was in, I said, no one sub anyone out. <laughs> We're just rolling with this, this group. We had three starters on the bench and I was like, it just doesn't matter. Like this is the group, you know, hearing a kid say something like that. You're like, put the whiteboard away. We don't, we don't need anything else than that. And we go on this incredible run and it finishes with Christian throwing a cross court pass to Danny. And you can see Christian in the background, like holding his hands up. Like he knows the shots going in and watching that, like that was the moment that that wave went with us where I knew like this could be special. And it just was a, a year of like, Danny hits that shot. You know, we're starting Tortellani at center in the A conference, you know, like, He's playing out of his mind, doing the right things. And everyone's kind of like, Tortellani's a starter? Like, you know, Malik got hurt, like, right away. There's all these things that could have gone, like, a negative feel. And then God loved the kids buying in and Coach Gouline with the, the character yeah, education. We've, I mean, We've been I, doing that this year. It's, it's I, just really helpful, really impactful. Oh, man, and we did it. So we did it. We were the kind of the guinea pig last year and – I mean, you, sometimes you just sit there and we, we, we would do it pregame sometimes. And I would just sit there for like five minutes after, like you just saw some and heard some things that like you never thought would come out of those kids. And like you watch them get more comfortable. Um, it's, there, it's really cool. Are there any uh, specific memories from Coach Guline's sessions with your guys that stand out to you as just memorable moments from what he's doing here at Gilman with that character ed program? Um, I can't, I can't on a specific because I, I think that, and you know, you know, Jeff, you know, and you've done it now with him, this, this program, you know, he wants no attention. There's no celebration. There's no look at me. There's no um, rah, rah type. He's just so genuinely invested in the kids and, What's so, I guess my hesitation was, okay, this guy's not on our staff. He, he, and, and Jeff is the first to admit, like, 
he can't make a free throw. Like it knows nothing about basketball. And it's kind of like, you know, when a substitute teacher comes into a class, the vibe is totally different, you know, right. like, and like, I was kind of like wondering, is this going to be tough for Jeff to get his foot in the door enough to like get them to open up? And like, again, you know, I, I don't know someone that works harder at their job. I've never met someone that works harder than Jeff Gouline. And that was the, the piece that the kids knew, like he's a safe space because he would help anyone with their math homework and he'd bend over backwards to come in early or on a Sunday or so like that once we got past that, I knew this was going to be amazing. And you know, like, again, I think that like, and the reason with my book, like, especially in basketball, it's like puffing your chest out. And when you dunk on somebody, you got to, you know, do something and technical fouls and the, you know, like the crazy things that I see at games and within our recruiting, you know, and everything, um, like it's supposed to be one way. And, you know, I think Jeff really like, we're very like-minded on this stuff, but I think he helped me show them like ways to be able to talk about things that maybe were hard to talk about. So like when you talk about Christian and, you know, the growth and stuff, like I attribute that almost entirely to, to Jeff sessions because like this year, I mean, Christian was the first hand to go up every time, you know, and when we first started, he maybe didn't talk for two or three sessions and then you start to see him, you know, he talked about his sister once and, and how much she meant to him and how much he looked up to her. And it was like, all right, now we're, we're really getting there. And, and that's where like a Tortellani mm-hmm. learns more about a Christian and they bond over whatever might have been said. And, you know, like in games and during timeouts, guys are saying like, guys, remember, this is what we talked about with coach Gouline, you know? And again, like you're standing there as a coach, like, we're good. Like, you know, if, if a ball goes through the net one more time for us to win this game, that's fun and that's cool. But like dudes are talking about things we, we were discussing in our character ed, like in the middle of a one point game. Yeah. It's more, good. more important than yeah. any X and O's that you can draw up is, yeah. is how they're feeling that moment and the trust that they've built through the program. And that's one of the things I really like about coach Gouline's sessions is it is all about the players right you just have your notebook but it's he's really just facilitating the conversation between the players and the team it's almost like he's not even there he's just asking the questions yeah and he asks great questions that allow the guys to just speak up and share certain things about themselves and how they feel at practice and what they feel like in a tight game and what they think about in the huddle it's just things that usually go hidden on a athletic field yeah and i think he's something else i i you know and obviously this kind of goes with teaching but like thinking on his feet in terms of you know i remember one where we he did uh we just talked about teaching and like if you were making a list of like what's a good teacher and what's because he was he was in an interview process with you know some some possible new math teachers and he thought it'd be interesting to hear from the kids of like what do you look for what don't you look for and we were like 45 minutes into it and he's like, all right, I like guys, I got to move on. Like, you know, like, I, you know, it, he's just so good at like, it was clearly something they wanted to talk about, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, they weren't, and don't get me wrong. They weren't like trashing a teacher or like, they were just saying like, they're talking about learning styles. They're talking about like, you know, I need this. So, 
you know, if the teacher doesn't do that, that's hard for me because I got to get notes. And like, you know, again, it just turned into this conversation that was like, you know, and Jeff was kind of like, who cares about what I like wanted to do here? Like, this is the thing we should keep talking about, you know, and like both of us are walking. Like I took a picture of the board of what Jeff wrote of like, you know, kind of what's in the categories and stuff. And he did too. And because it was like, we just picked their brains to a level that like we would never be able to put that list together again, you know, and, and here we had access to these amazing kids that really are the customers, you know, I mean, um, it's, it's also so interesting to me that Gulan is a math teacher and a lot of his conversation facilitation reminds me of a humanities class. Almost what, what I try to do in my English classes with somewhat broad, relatable questions that get people talking that, you probably don't see as much in a math classroom as you do in an English classroom, but it's, I know he works really hard at it, but it, it seems almost natural when he's out there doing it. It's, it's like he's had years of practice teaching English classes when he's talking about teamwork and sports and character and athletics. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, again, I, I, I've had the privilege of getting to know him, you know, personally as a good friend as well, but he misses nothing, you know, like there, there's never, He's paying attention to everything at all times. He's got all bases covered. Um, and he's just that that dude that when he's around, everything's cool because Jeff's there. You know, like it's a he's always got a solution. He's always calm. He's always he listens. You know, it's not a because he certainly could be a know-it-all, you know, with how hard he works and like the scenario. He practices his lessons still, you know, like. I mean, that's a pretty incredible. And I, so like he's earned that capital, built that capital up with the kids of like, if this guy talks, we should listen, you know, because right. he gets up and he's here at whatever time in the morning and he's got review sessions on Sunday. And and, you know. and the buy-in for his sessions are almost contagious. Like I remember Tortolani last year after having gone through that basketball season, he came right to the lacrosse team and he'd be saying, Oh, we've got a Gulan. We're doing our first Gulan session today. This is awesome. And and he really, as a leader of the lacrosse team, allowed the other guys or motivated the other guys on the lacrosse team to buy into that. So I think it's contagious among the teams here at Gilman too. Yeah, and and like you know, it got to the point where, like I said, you know, Jeff kind of laughs at how little he knows about basketball. But um, you know, I I I just like pushed him further. I I was like. Will you sit on the bench with us when you're available to? Will you come to away games with us when you're available to? Um, he would sit with me at halftime. You know, everyone impulsively runs to the locker room and, you know, they're all charged up over whatever just happened. I like to just gather my thoughts for a minute, take everything in, kind of not be so worried about the last 30 seconds of the half as as the other 15 minutes and 30 seconds. And he would always, he started to stay back with me and it was great because I could, and it's really more important, honestly, of like, how did it feel on the bench? Like what, what, what are guys saying? What's body language like? Um, am I missing anything? Like, are we, you know, and, and again, he has no basketball knowledge. And I think at first he was kind of like, why do you want me on the bench? You know, like kind of, and I think he started to see where I, I saw the value in it, you know, and he comes to Saturday practice. He like, again, it's not like he just shows up and does them. 
he invests the time in being there and just taking notes and like watching dynamics within a team. And um, again, he's just been a, a partner and, you know, these are all things that I, the other cool thing is like, nothing's more important than this to me with our kids as, as an outcome. But at the same time, we have two hours a day, we're playing in the A conference, you know, it, it, we've got to do a lot of basketball stuff too. This is almost the best of both worlds because he prepares everything. And then we get to participate in what is so important. And I'm not doing the planning, you know, honestly, it's a delegating type responsibility that we've gained because we don't have someone else capable of, of, of putting together what he's able to, you know. When he's sitting on the bench with you and, and you're talking at halftime, does he point out certain aspects of your players to you that you hadn't seen during that first half in yeah. terms of their body language and how they're reacting or what they're talking about on the bench or just the atmosphere? Or are there things that you don't notice? I think he is really good at um, – I mean, I think he's a listener first as it is. Um, I'm much more outwardly emotional, you know, like um, type personality. He always lets me speak first. Um, and that's not like a egotistical thing. It's just like a I'm obviously more emotionally invested in the in the, <laughs> you know, the game than he might be. So he allows me, I think, to just kind of spit for a minute and then he'll say, well, what do you think about this? Or it's never a, and and something he's really good at is he's he can express something without making it like a, this is what I think you should do, and if you don't, you're an idiot kind of feel, which I think sometimes people do when they give a suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his is kind of like, here's, here's something to think about. Um, and then if you, if that's not what you're going to do, then he he goes with you to plan B. It's not like oh you didn't you didn't you didn't pick what I said so, you know you're on your own now. Um, you know his loyalty. Um, you know I I just think unconditional love is the foundation of any relationship. Coach, romantic friend, like just knowing that that's the, like if if I'm gonna be just as close with someone who scores zero points as thirty points that's when when really good stuff can happen and jeff is like that personified in terms of you know i think that's that would be what i would say when i said earlier that like everything's okay when he's around it's because of that in my opinion of like a judgment free we're in this together we're gonna fight and figure out anything that we need to to get this done so you said earlier that you've always been a basketball junkie um when was really the first time that you fell in love with the game i know you've played your whole life you played at gilman um when did you fall in love with basketball and who kind of got you started in in the sport who were some of your influences yeah um so i guess early on so tony jordan still here lower school um assistant coach um was really my guy um he was our head coach he took over when i was a sophomore played for him junior senior year um had that transformational relationship with him where you know if i had something going on off the floor you know i had his home phone number and could call him and when i was in college we kept in touch like um he was very much kind of showed me the way of 
like what a more than a coach could be, you know, and then my, my father passed away very suddenly when I was 20 and it was almost like Tony just said, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to be your dad now, you know, and like he was there for me through everything, you know, and um, so again, I talked about unconditional love, like I, I learned it there, you know, firsthand and obviously, you know, things were a struggle for a while with, with uh, losing my dad and Tony was just incredible um for so many years um you know and then so so basketball wise um uh, I, I was a student assistant coach at at franklin and marshall um for five years and so glenn robinson was the coach there um he won almost a thousand games he's the you know all-time winning winningest coach in in division three history um and i got to he so i i grew up as a sponsor, we sponsored Naval Academy midshipmen uh, that were on the basketball team. And Don DeVoe was the coach at the time who had coached at Tennessee, coached Dale Ellis, some big names there. And Navy was kind of his retirement job. Um, and he just let me be a ball boy. Like I was allowed at any team function. And I was, you know, like 11, just sitting there like, you know, a nerd, like, learning about defense and rebounding and I loved it. Like I was not just there to shoot on the rims or, you know, like I was there like learning basketball. Um, and you know, I was never, uh, as Tony would attest to, you know, some super athlete, you know, I had to work hard just to get a couple minutes here and there. And, and, but I loved to study the game. So coach DeVoe actually wrote me a recommendation for, for coach Robinson. So coach Robinson was kind of like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we can do this. And, I mean, by the time I was a senior, I was in charge of our scouting reports, our, you know, I'm 21 years old, kind of talking to the team, like, and they were my fraternity brothers. So it was like, again, like kind of a, you know, like, a, but he's a coach, but he's us, but he's the same, yeah, you know, and, and like, here I am talking about what Washington College is going to do offensively and like how we're going to trap them. And, you know, he really just trusted me um, to that level, which I, I, you know, was really appreciative of what, um, what made him such a great coach Robinson interesting um he so his background was he really didn't know anyone um he didn't have any kind of crazy playing history or NBA hookups or anything he just randomly he got the F&M job um in like 1967 or something and he just wrote Dean Smith a letter and said hey Dean ton of respect for you can I come learn and Dean Smith like put him in a motel paid for all his meals you know like kind of classic what you know one of my books was the Carolina way by Dean Smith and that's just what he did was like wow this guy really wants to learn like great come on down and he just opened his books to him so everything we we ran um was Carolina everything so coach recruited for that kind of system, it was not a lot of sets and stuff. It was learning how to play and kind of just going out and getting good players to fit that. Um, you know, and I think he was, you know, his coach was a unique personality. You know, we all, we, we, we joke with him a lot and, you know, he wasn't like the warm and fuzzy um, type of coach, you know, but he was like he had, I, I can still see his cursive handwriting on his note cards um, with his note card boxes of 
you know, excuse me. Uh, and I used to joke around about it. And now here I am with my books and, you know, like a kid, <laughs> yeah, it's like my friends see the, the, the GTV and are like, do you seriously have a book like G Rob did? You know, it's like, <laughs> so I guess I do, you know? Um, but I think he was a details guy. So I guess my education from him was totally different. Like I didn't get the, let's do the team building and, you know, kind of the Tony stuff that, you know, what a coach could be for a player. Um, it was more of like a basketball education. And I learned so much about, you know, defensive positioning and like, you know, how to build a program and, you know, things like that. Um, it's just so interesting that you've always been fascinated by the, the details of the game, the X and O's of the game uh, from a, from a young age. It was weird. I mean, I, you know, I didn't, and now like with, with technology, you know, Tortolani and, and Danny Rosenfield would always joke with me, uh, you know, was I in my cubby, which is that little office on the third floor where like I would go in and whenever I had free time and like, just go on, uh, you know, all my YouTube and Twitter coaches that just post like, you know, now guys are posting like the best plays from the NBA last night. And like, I can just sit there and be like, wow, like we're going to do this. And like, you know, just crazy, you know, in the lab, as they would say, um, yeah, you know, cooking some stuff up there, but, uh, you know, it's just so fun to, and I, you know, I like to bring it and say, you know, I watched Steve Nash draw this up for Harden last night, you know, and like, I love it. Let's see if it, you know, if it falls flat on its face and like, we don't have James Harden and it doesn't work. Like I tell the kids like, all right, my bad. Like I'm, you know, I'll be back in the lab. We'll, we'll find something different. Like, forget that. We're not going to use that. So I think it's definitely like a two, like, and they'll send me things like coach, did you see, mm -hmm. you know, someone running our stuff last night and, you know, stuff like that. So like watching their interest in, in the game has been fun too. Who are some of those other college and NBA coaches that you look up to as mm. mentors or, you know, we sure. talked about Pop Popovich a little bit before. I don't know if we got that part, but. Yeah. So he's, he, I would say culture wise. Um, and just, I have a ton of respect for him as a, a leader in terms of, you know, we watch his, his activism in terms of speaking out. Um, he's also the best, um, you know, after quarter interview, because, you know, they're contractually required to answer two questions. And he literally answers both with one word and walks <laughs> off the camera uh, every single time, which I, I find hilarious because he wants to be with his team and thinks the other stuff is like so stupid. Like, why, why, why do I have to do this? You know, especially after a loss. It's, yeah. It's I mean, it's, it's just um, it's funny, actually. But um, I think one of the things I actually um, I think we watched in college or there's a video out there of the Spurs getting their touches in, like they're always patting each other on the back. They're always, you know, bumping each other. They're almost fostering relationships from just, you know, getting your touches and tapping each other when you make a good play, just being there for each other. Just those minor gestures can go a long way, I think, on a team. Yeah, it's funny you say that because so our big fellow, um, Roman Hines, is going to play at Swarthmore. Um, for coach Landry, um, who played at Davidson, um, for coach McKillop. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm just like a, a straight shooter of like when I meet a new coach or something. And like, so he came to our workouts to watch Roman. Um, and he literally left his phone in the car because he wanted Roman to know, and he's walking with me on the sidelines and like, why did you do this or what? 
like I'm, I'm with that, you know, cause some dudes come in and are like, oh, I'm here to see Jake. And like, they're texting on their phone and like, it, it's, it's not about the kid, you know, and you can see that right away. So when I see a Landry, I try to latch on like, Hey man, can I come watch practice? Can I, you know, I just like dive into that stuff. Um, yep. and he's let me come up a couple times and, um, so something they do, which I, 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 I guess I was a little thrown off at first, but like if the ball's not bouncing, like they're talking, they're holding each other's shorts. Everyone's holding on to the other, like at the bottom of the legs shorts because they're, they're always connected. And like, that's his thing, you know? And like, they're the players have no, like, Oh, this is kind of weird. Or like, like they're like fighting to get next to someone they want to get next. Like you see their investment in it. Um, he, he doesn't cut anyone. I think he's got like 25 guys and like, you know, you go to a small gym like Hopkins, they're like sitting in the bleachers behind and like, you know, the Hopkins fans are, he's essentially got five guys in the end of the bench, which they're like timeout guys. Like they've got all the bench celebrations. They've got all, like you just watch this culture and it's like, wow, like, yeah. And they're 28. No, like it's just like at Swarthmore, which it's like, so interesting to have such a know. big roster and keep those guys invested and on board, even though they're not getting out there and playing. And the funniest part is like, you know, you see that at a game and you're kind of like, oh, like he's a nice guy. Like you keep like those kids practice like there's not like, yeah, like, Jake, you go stand over here, buddy, like and, and wear your uniform at the game. Like you're running the sets, you're guarding the players like. They're putting in all the time. Yeah, they're and but going, he's showing up there. Yeah, day. but he's very genuinely like their practice participation is no less than their their leading scorer. So Landry's genuine. Like again, they see that genuine investment. So, like, why would they just sit on the bench and not cheer if if Landry shows them the respect that he does? They'd run through a wall for him, you know. And and you know his one of his best rivalries is Hopkins and Josh Loeffler, who's another. Like, those are two of my favorite dudes. I mean, they they just – and, like, they're both Division One coaches, but they're at amazing Division Three spots. They've got young kids. They're, you know – and, like, you know, yeah, I've got some NBA guys that I, that I could say and, like, that I know or whatever. It's not, like, to me. Like, and, like, with Christian's recruiting, Jalen's recruiting, like, I got to know the Army staff really well um and learn about some things that i could steal from them like that's that's what i'm always about is like how can i evolve by relationship yeah i mean i talked to northwestern for an hour and a half the other day just learning about like why do they think they stand out you know and like what what are things coach collins does or what did he take from coach k and what did he do different from coach k and you know. So what are some things that you do culturally with your programs, maybe similar to the short holding thing or the getting your touches thing? What are some things that stick out to you in terms of building uh, that connected culture with your guys? Yeah. Um, so I would, I would say not as tangible as that yet, or maybe even as what I feel is like best fit for us right now. I'm like, I pay so much attention to the treatment of each other. So like if I throw you a nice pass and like you just kind of run back, like I'll literally call timeout in the game and be like, seriously, like what? And then it's like, Oh my bad. Like, like that feeling appreciation, that feeling of 
you got me the bucket. So yeah, you know, like get, like point at me or something. Yes, and like when guys are on the floor, like someone takes a charge and like someone's too cool to run over and help him up, like they won't. They'll hear that horn so fast. Like I can't wait to take him out and talk to him about it because and they're gonna get a chance to go right back in. You know, I'm not like a a grudge holder and like a you know this is but like I'm gonna tell him like you're gonna sit because like our guy just gave his body up and you're you're like too cool to to help him or dive on the floor for a loose ball like if you're a leading scorer or whatever i don't it doesn't matter to me like this is who we are um you know so i think that that like the treatment of each other is important you know and like um like the eye rolling the like throwing the arms up in the air when someone misses them on a long ball or like that's just like not that's non-negotiable for me. Like mm -hmm. I'll stop practice. I'll stop a game, you know? And like, again, some people, you know, some like basketball people would be like, dude, play your best players and like right. deal with their personalities and like somewhat true, but like you, like their personality can't include negativity mm -hmm. that that's not acceptable. Um, yeah, it's, it's contagious. I mean, um, and body language says a lot. And I think, you know, you're talking about how much you watch film. It, it all shows up on film and it's so, it's so contagious and it spreads so fast to the next guy. Like the guy who doesn't point at the guy who gave him the pass, you know, there's something going on there that is not right. Um, Pete, Pete Carrill, I'm, a, I'm unfortunately turned into that guy that, you know, is always carrying quotes around, you know, Pete Carrill the godfather of the Princeton offense, you know, um, it's like a little old man jumping around when they beat UCLA, you know, just, just, uh, awesome basketball figure. You know, one of his great quotes that I've, I've never let go of is you can have one donkey, but you can't have two because then they breed. And, um, I've always just had that in the back of my mind of like, you can sometimes have, you know, and it's not like someone not buying in. It's just someone doing something maybe a little differently than than other people do. And you, you kind of got to deal with them differently and that's OK. But if you've got two things going on like that, it's over, um, you know, and like that's that's such an important. And like, I'll be honest with with kids of like, listen, if, if you were that guy, Jake, like. I'm going to deal with Jake differently than Chesare. Like it, it that's just the way. Like if I coached you both the same and you both have different personalities, I'm not doing my job because you're going to respond differently to different things. So, you know, the whole, you know, kind of like straight line treatment of, of things. Or I, just the, the standard, just the term, the standard, there are standards for some things, but in terms of relationships and the way that you treat certain players, it's just how you would treat anyone in your life. It, your friends all have different personalities. You're going to treat them differently. It should be no different on the, on the athletic field. Yeah. And I, you know, like I'm really hard on them for like excuse type stuff of, you know, like if film don't lie type old school talk, like you show, and I'm going to use Chris as an example, just be, because I've used him quite a bit with this of like, he's got incredible potential, all these coaches. And like, if he's got a bad spurt, whether he's tired, he's hurt, what, you know, whatever it might be. And I'll show him the film and be like, yo, you want me to send this to, to Northwestern? And he's like, nah, man, you know, like his thing is like, 
and this is where you learn is like, I'm not accusing him like, oh, you're being selfish there. Or you're like, I'm not telling him what he was feeling because I don't know. And, and then it comes out like, coach, I'm, I'm handling the ball. I'm getting a box and one on me. I'm, I'm it, like, it's like, I got to take this kid out of the game more, you know, like to make him more efficient. Like those are the kinds of conversations where I'm not showing him film as an accusational piece. I'm showing it as like, this isn't who I see. Like, why was this your, mm-hmm. your body language or your whatever, like, or, or I'll just pull them aside and say, I think getting to know my kids really well, like I can tell when like they walk into practice, like when they're not themselves, whether their girlfriend broke up with them or they failed a test or had a disagreement with a teacher or something like it's so they're it's right on their face, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, showing them that with without the accusational, like they know. But you know, if he came back at me like, "Why didn't Why don't you show this to Jake?" or "Why you know Chester I should have done this?" Then it's like, stop. We're not. We're just not. That's not available right now. We're not going to that at all. This is about you. And I think keeping that on on that accountability piece is so important. Um, and that's something that I honestly am working on myself and I, I share with them of with officials, you know, of like, I get so caught up in like, it's not that I really even care. It's that I care so much about the kids and I feel something being taken away from them because mm-hmm. someone's not working as hard as we are. Uh, like some of the officials take a very um, different um, attitude approach um, of the game being about them at times I feel, and we're, we're all there for the kids. And I think that gets missed sometimes. And that's when I start to get really frustrated. Um, but like, I think showing them that I'm working through that as well, isn't me being weak or me losing control of the team or like, you'll watch them and you know, you could go back on GTV and they'll come over and put their arm around me and say, come on coach. Like we need you. Like, don't worry about that travel. Like let's stay focused here. And it's like, you're right. My bad. Like they can, they can help me too, you know? And that's when it feels, you know, when guys are that invested or, you know, I love timeouts where I'll call timeout and just say, what do you guys see? Like, what, what am I missing? Because it doesn't feel like us today. What, what do we need? You know? Um, So interesting because I think this is where the teaching and coaching philosophy carries over because that was some of my, some of the advice that I got when I first started teaching two years ago was, look, I'm right out of college. I'm going to make so many mistakes. This is the first time I'm teaching in the classroom with students who aren't much younger than I am. I haven't really read the books yet. It's my first year with the curriculum. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but they respond so much better when I admit those mistakes and say, look, I didn't notice that or I messed up or I got that wrong. I just think that philosophy of owning your mistakes when, yeah, you're the head coach and yeah, you're supposed to know everything, but not really. I mean, you, you can be totally honest with your guys and they, they'll know that they'll respect that so much. And I, I think I, I, with my classes as well, but I, you know, I'll never forget last, not this Tortolani senior year it was at the beginning of the year and like things were just crazy. And, and like I said, I was driving to Annapolis and it, it was just really hard. And there was one day where I just started practicing. I always start practice with a huddle. I said, um, guys, I'm just not myself today. Like I, I just feel I'm, I'm lethargic. I'm like, 
because I'm usually a loud voice. Like I'm pumped. I love basketball. Like I love being with the kids. I'm telling them corny dad jokes, you know, like on the <laughs> side, making them laugh, you know, just, just like, that's the fun part of the day. And like, I love it. And I didn't feel that way. And I just told him, I said, guys, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's up. I don't know what's going on. And like, I need you today. Like, I'm, you're not going to hear my voice as much. And like, I'm just, and like a month or two later, Tortolani came to me one day and said, coach, like, I'll never forget that day that you did that. And I kind of thought to myself, like, what day is he talking about? And he was like, when you told me that, like, that showed me that, like, I could tell you when I was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And like, I thought about it and was like, wow, I guess, I guess that's true. It's like, it doesn't show that, like, I'm going to be a bad leader that day. It just showed that like we all need help sometimes and we're all sharing responsibilities. And I learned something from Jack that day that he shared that with me to, to that. It's not. And like you said, with kids, like I remember that as a young teacher, like what if I don't know the answer to a math problem? And like, you know, and then coming to Gilman, it's like, these kids are so smart. Like, you know, kind of back to that thinking. And then it's like, I just tell them, hold on, like, let me think about this for a second or let me get back to you. Or, and then like you actually follow up and they're like, wow, this dude cares enough to right. actually follow up or like not just BS me and pretend he knows how to do the problem. And, you know, like that, it goes back to ghoul line of like that investment in the kids. Like they know, yes, I'm their leader, but we're on the same team. You know, like it, it's not me versus them. I think that's the worst feel you can have within a team of, you know, the leader and the followers is, is me versus them. And, um, and I think that buys you the opportunity to sometimes be like, you know, guys, we got to buckle up today. Like it's almost winter break and like, we got to get this unit in before. And they're like, you know, yes, sir. You know, like getting their stuff ready. And like, because they know if I'm going to go that route, they know I mean it and it's genuine. So like, I think b building that within a culture is really important. Um, we talked a lot about Christian and Tortolani and some of the other players that you've coached recently. And I'm curious who the, who the best leader is that you've coached in your career as a basketball coach and mm -hmm. what, what qualities they had um, on the court, off the court, and, and really some of those memories that come to mind when you think about that player. Yeah, I guess I would a fear of giving like a, a an outright winner, you know, that I could go to some guys for specific things, you know, of like the Matt Cooper timeout at Spalding. Like I will never I will take that to my grave of one of my coolest moments. Um, and especially for a kid who had been quieter as a freshman, sophomore and kind of. You know, if he missed his first three shots, it was kind of like, all right, I got to make sure I tell Matt, keep shooting, keep shooting, because he might start to question himself, like for him to step up and say that in a timeout. It was like, OK, you know, so that was that was special. Um, you know, I think that Tortolani was such an interesting. You know, I, I honestly, you know, the funny story is uh, as a junior, I almost didn't keep him. You know, he was very borderline and kind of like you know, just, it, it turned out, you know, we had a discussion about it and it turned out to be like, let's do this because this would be great for him as well as the team. You know, I think he was trying to not just be Johnny lacrosse, you know, and like have different components to him of like, you know, he comes from such a lacrosse family and like 
he really just loved basketball and the guys and like it was like all right let's let's do this you know and didn't play many minutes but worked his butt off in practice and then come senior year you know Malik goes down and I'm like you know one of my newer assistant coaches is is like what are you doing like you're you know like Jack's not big enough to play this spot and all these things. And I'm like, we just got to like, he's a winner, man. Like just, we're going to use him in spots and like ways he can contribute. And like, God love him. He's jumping in front of runaway trains that are about to dunk on him, taking charges. And, you know, guys like Christian, their eyes just get big. Like, whoa, he is fearless, man. Like, you know, and, and that starts to change. So I think Jack's mindset, Jack's like willingness to step to someone and say, you need to get it together. Like this is unacceptable mm-hmm. and not because he's trying to like look good in front of me. It's, it's because he genuinely cares about the team that much. Um, I think Jalen Marshall, uh, haven't mentioned his name yet, but for watching him kind of grow as again, a quieter guy who will go guard someone six ten or five, four, he just doesn't, he'll get, you know, right in there. Um, you know, I, I, you can, you know, I could keep going back to Indian Creek and guys who were willing to buy in and, you know, when it wasn't convenient, you know, like come to school, no one had heard of, or come to Gilman, who was, you know, the last in the A conference and all like Christian decided to, like, we're looking for those kinds of people that want to be different, you know, and like make this, I'm very open about what we are and who we are. And like, if you want to come here and kind of just get a 2.0 and kind of cruise through, like, it just doesn't happen. No, like when I go recruit, I'm watching parents, man. I already know the kid's good enough. If I'm watching them at a game, I'm watching how do the parents, what does the kid do when, you know, he gets taken out of the game and he doesn't want to? Does he go to the end of the bench and not slap his teammates' hands? Does I always ask? It's a, it's kind of a, a entrapment, but I ask the parents, like, yeah, how's how are things going with this team and this coach and stuff? And oh, he's an idiot, and we're, you know, like we could be doing so much better. It's like, nice, nice to meet you all, you, you know, know, good luck with, with everything. You know, those, those kinds of things are, are what I'm focused on in the process, you know, because so much of it is learned at home oh, at man. the dinner table. Yeah. And, and, you know, just divisiveness of like, you know, kids are getting in the car and like, why is Jake shooting that shot? Like you should have the ball. And, you know, but Jake's my best friend. And like, do I hate him now? And like all that, like these, these, icky things that kids have to go through when it's really so much more simple and like they can be spoken to in a different way and encouraged and work through difficult times. But, um, so interesting because I'm, I'm teaching a lot of these guys that we're talking about Christian and Jalen and, uh, Charlie Guyton and Tortolani and a lot of the basketball guys are in my English class and their leadership that they're taking from the sport of basketball just shows up in an academic world too it just all those guys work super hard they're they participate in class like i'll get emails like from christian at you know five in the morning it's like mr scott can i redo that that essay i'm like yeah like yeah you can redo the essay if you want if you want to do better i have no problem with that because i was i think i was that guy too if i didn't do well on something i would go and ask the teacher and be like hey what can i do to you know Boost is great. It just shows that you care, I think. And um, I'm all about that. But I think a lot of that is learned on the court, on the field, in sports. And I, I like you you alluded to there, at parents too. Like Christian's parents will be the first to be like, 
I don't care if he chose acting or basketball. Like we'll we'll be all in on supporting him and and you know, like when he's emailing you at five o'clock in the morning, that's not his parents waking him up being like, You need to redo this paper. That's Christian setting an alarm and being like, I'm gonna email Mr. Scott and say, I wanna do because he's doing it for himself, you know, like that that mentality like doesn't surprise me at all, you know. And I, I think we can teach it to some kids, you know, and I, I think some kids are listening and wanna learn, but I think some just naturally like, oh man like christian just is one of those guys that you know and as i shared with with northwestern and you know harvard and like he you know the schools that are calling like it it it's not uh, an accident <laughs> like his list of guys that you know harvard's offered one guard in the entire country for the the class of 2022 and it's christian winborn and and like he is that special and they've noticed that you know, like it's it's cool to see that actually come to fruition for a kid that deserves it. It's not just because he's a really good player and would be good in the Ivy League. You know, Harvard can't recruit that way. It just doesn't work that way. You have to be the whole piece, and um, it's just so it's so cool and and makes me so happy because he deserves it. You know, it's a it's a really fun part of this job, honestly, to see where he he ends up going. So I want to uh, maybe touch on the, the book that you brought in, Season of yeah. Life. It's the first book that I read uh, before I came to Gilman. So I'm, I'm cool. excited to ask you why you, you chose Season of Life. I think the biggest thing to me um, that I always come back to, if I had to pick one thing, is the um, the fake masculinity of like, you know, um, like you said, you know, the the three worst words that a, a child can hear or a boy can hear is be a man. And um, like, I really believed in that. And I, I think I, and I'm sure you've run into this with reading as well. Like you, but you've, you needed validation or like someone, you know, like famous, like a New York time bestseller to be like, and you're like, yeah, I think that too. And like, then you've got talking points, you've got evidence and, you know, me being in an all boys school, I think kind of been on a mission to be like, you know, I've, I've cried in front of my team. I've told them when I'm having a bad day, I've seen them do the same. And it's not like, suck it up. You know, like, I think that's a bad phrase that I hear a ton of. Um, and I still think there's a lot of coaches and, and, you know, I've been around a few, but that, that believe if they're the meaner they are to a player, um, the angrier they'll play, quote unquote. And I just have been so against that um, mm -hmm. my whole life. And I, the more I coach, the more I, I, I feel stronger about that, that this can be done in a different way. Um, and I think it all comes back to my reading of this in terms of like a mutual respect. And, you know, like I said, with that, that fake masculinity that, that he talks about of like what it means to be a man um, you know, and I joke with my wife of like, you know, I think, and, you know, having kids like baby products and stuff, like we go to the pediatrician, like I go to all the appointments I go to, I, I do Emily and I split everything. Like I do laundry, I cook and it's like, oh, well, mom, when you do this and mom, when you do that, and I'm like, am I just an accessory here? Like, you know, like, I, I, <laughs> like Emily doesn't do that. I do that, you know? And it's like, you feel so again, when you, like there's discussions of privilege and all that stuff, like, you know, 
I, I understand the feeling through that of like being marginalized by um, being defined by my gender of like what a parental role is. So like, I think as we've shifted to like mostly two income families and, you know, moms working and dads working, like dads are expected to take more role, you know, than, than in, in the child's caretaking. But like, I, like if you watch commercials and like I, I joke with Emily, all the, like even some products, like literally products, like in their directions and stuff say like, you know, the mom should, or she should. And like, I'm like, like, is this serious? Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, it's, it's difficult. So, um, you know, like, I think that for me kind of goes into this of the, of like what, what a man should be like a man should be someone who does everything that, that women should be doing too, of caring about each other and taking care of, of everyone around you when you can and, and self-care and, like all these differences that we have of like being a woman and being a man, I think are just, just kind of crazy, you know? And I think as you've probably gotten to see with some of those guys in your English class, like some of those dudes are deep, sensitive, oh, totally. which is beautiful and yeah. amazing. And in some places they'd be told to like, get rid of that, you know? And like right. that is taking away so many gifts from what could be something awesome. You know, yeah, it's one of the coolest parts of teaching here and teaching and coaching is like I'll be in class and I'll hear your basketball players like heartfelt expression of their feelings of the scarlet letter that we're talking about, which I would never think that, you know, guys would be super into. And then you go watch them on the basketball court later that night. It's just it's almost two different people, but they. Uh, they're just they can express the, those ideas in in a certain way in one area and then go play basketball you know and there are so many different sides to a man and what a man can be and, and you can see that all here in different domains in the classroom on the court on the field and the musical it doesn't really matter yeah i mean and you you like i watch with like i said it at the you know at the um faculty you know discussion about kids the other day with with Malik you know of like if you really need to know anything about Malik like just just go outside at about 7:55 in the morning and watch him hold his little brother's hand and walk him into school and like give him a hug and like watch Mason just worship the ground that Malik walks on watch Malik you know during the pandemic basically help both little brothers do their work you know like and that's that's like these are we have beautiful kids here you know Matt Cooper like as soon as Teddy runs into the gym, Matt Cooper's like going over and like, you know, kidnapping him and running him around upside down. And like the, those, like that free, like ability to just be themselves just feels awesome. And like, we've got that in our gym right now. And like, it's such a happy feeling to be around. And um, I, as I say, at the end of the last two seasons, like, all right, that's on you guys now to, to keep passing it to the next group. Like, this is what feels great. It doesn't just happen. Like yeah. we worked hard to get this. Carries now over. we got to work hard to keep this and take it to your other sports. And, you know, so. Well, coach, it's been a lot of fun today. Thanks so much for coming on the yeah, podcast. Thank you. It's great to catch up. I feel like I haven't really had too many conversations with you this year, yeah. but hopefully 
you know things are going back to normal soon yeah, so we'll uh we'll see you around campus yeah would love to continue it and and talk sports and leadership and all that again sometime awesome yeah. thank you thank you